to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account for this unrepresentative swell over there. Hello, Nick, and hello to the listeners of the Unrepresented School podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Back at it for be... another action-packed episode, Rob. Oh, I'm very excited for it, Nick, I must say. Super excited. I feel like there's high energy today, you know? I just have that feeling. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because there's a lot... Yeah, I, we always say this recently as well. A lot of stuff happening. A lot, lot of stuff. A lot of big stories. And the good thing is most of it's in Australia as well. A lot of it in Australia as well, yeah. Also some pretty big international ones, but just heaps of different stuff in Australia as well. Yeah, different stuff. I feel like it's coming at me from all sides, you know? Just like, I can't I can't even begin to analyse it all. It's a shame this podcast isn't filmed because we could have seen your great... Um, Gesticulation? Gesting. Yeah, there. <sighs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, one day we will film another podcast. We will one day. I'll do it again, just for the listeners. Yeah, maybe for our 100th, who knows? Ooh, it is fast approaching. We don't put the, the numbers on the episodes anymore. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame, but it is 98 today. This is number 98. It's crazy to think about, Rob. So let your 98, friends know. 98, what is that? 40-something hours of, of content, me and you speaking. Hours. And they used yeah. to be longer as well, so more than that. Yeah, I reckon 50, round it up. <laughs> wow, jeez. That's a, that's a lot of time if you think about it. It is a lot of time and it's also very worrying. <laughs> what proportion do you think it was legitimately good analysis? 5%? That's a bit, that's a bit nice, nah. I think. Maybe lower. Well, uh, it's hard to say. We might see some of, uh, some of the not-so-nice analysis in episode 100. Yeah, a little hit. Yeah, let everyone know. Throw out a little teaser there. But Rob, we can't talk about that too much. No, we, right. we can't reveal too much. Got to wait for 100. Um, but yeah, no, as I was saying, a lot of stuff happening today. I don't even have time to, to process it because I don't know if I talked about this last week. I don't think I did, but I'm at Zoom Uni. You ever heard of this thing called Zoom University? You mean Zoomy? Yeah, yeah, Zoomy. Yeah, yeah. It's a hell cool idea, Rob. So what you do is you, uh, you pay the same amount of money, but you get a shitter educational experience, if that makes sense. Now, Nick, why is that? Why is it shitter just because it's online? Well, <laughs> well, have you ever tried being in a Zoom uh, call with 260 other people while the same three people keep asking essentially the same questions? No, I can't say I have. I don't recommend it, Rob. I, I think you're lucky to have missed it uh, because let me tell you, it's not fun. Oh, it sounds really fun. I've heard um, you and your friends have come up with some little fun games to play while in uh, your Zooms. Well, that's... You like kind wearing of have hats to. and trying to, you know, make other people laugh pretty much. <laughs> it's a survival technique, Rob. It's a call for help. It's a cry for help. <laughs> cry for help. <laughs> There's, yeah, I, I think I was telling someone else, I got... Um, by like last Thursday of like, you know, after four days of just Zoom, I started wearing my um, Bond's organic rib chesty. You were in the, the chesty calls, in the Zoom? In nice. the Zoom calls, in the breakout rooms, because I just couldn't be bothered anymore. I just had to be as comfortable as possible to, to make it bearable. Nice. So, I like that a lot. That's just a bit of an insight. Um, so I'm hitting this podcast at an all-time low because I've just like... This is basically me running straight from uh, to here from Zoom Uni. Well, yeah, I can um, I can tell how excited you are to actually see another human being in real life. It was so good, and to actually like you know talk about things that interest me as well. 
Oh, yes. Huge. <laughs> Instead of just like watching little boxes on a screen talk about basically the same thing over and over again. Sounds really fun, man. Yeah. I say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sorry, that's a bit of a rant. Uh, a rant. Can't even speak anymore. But, you know, we should really get to the news, Rob. News, Nick. What's, hap- what's happening around the world and what's happening in Australia? Well, Rob, do you know what a Manchurian candidate is? Is it a candidate from Manchuria? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, whatever it is, Scott Morrison um, called Albo a Manchurian candidate, which basically means sleeper agent, I believe. Yeah, of course. Um, Albo. Yeah, called Albo a Manchurian candidate last week. Fuck, that must have been a real long play by the CCP to install Albo in the Young Labour Party in like the 80s. I know, I know. Late, crazy. Early 80s. I mean, yeah, in a completely different time. I mean, that really is a hide and bide strategy, isn't it? Dude, Deng Xiaoping must have had some seriously <laughs> big balls Dude to run had that play. strings everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but basically, Scott Morrison, in continuation of the uh, Labour is soft on China strategy... Um, has has really gone even further than Dutton was going, calling Albo a Manchurian candidate. Um, Rob, what's um? Well, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I called this. I didn't. I call this, Nick. Well, I said last week on the podcast you did call it. Um, so congratulations. I've called it, and also instead of realizing that that this is a stupid point for two reasons, which I'll get to, um, they're doubling down. Oh they're, yeah, they're not stopping. <laughs> they're absolutely not stopping. Um. Also, so. Even if Albo was this, you know, secret agent or the China, the CCP does support the Labour Party in this election. No shit they support the Labour Party because you've just been spent the last like three years bashing them, right? The Liberal Party, this is, have been bashing the um, CCP and starting trade wars with them for basically no reason. So no shit they're not going to be too happy with you. And secondly, it's just not true. This isn't true. I doubt even the Chinese Communist Party even cares about this election. It's Australia. They've got bigger issues to deal with. It's true. They do have bigger issues to deal with. I was thinking about this, Rob, a lot. And I think any reasonable person who's switched on and pays attention to politics can obviously see through this bullshit, right? Everyone sees it as bullshit. Because it's not even like a crafty political tactic, right? He just started talking about it. They just started throwing out lines that you know, China had a preferred party in this election. No one asked for it. It's funny because later, like this weekend, we had an incident where a Chinese vessel uh, shone a laser at an Australian plane. I don't know if you saw that, Rob. No, I didn't say that. There you go. I mean, that's made uh, hiccups. You know, that's been a diplomatic incident, basically. But like that was the catalyst, right? But the hilarious thing is this was a thing before that because Scott Morrison and the Liberal Party just threw it out there randomly. Um, so I think people can obviously see it's it's a bit of a, a bullshit political tactic. But Rob, maybe that doesn't matter because the people who aren't switched on and not paying attention suddenly see all this China stuff come up in the news and see ScoMo and his supporters in the media say stuff like Labor is weak on China and they go like, you know what? China's important to me. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to vote for the coalition. Maybe that's what's going to happen, Rob. You've got to also consider that Labor is red as is the Chinese Communist Party. Wow, this really was a long play. So, you know, there's clearly some uh, pretty big um, coalition there of, of some sort. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the the colour of communism. Of course, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, who came up with it first, really? I mean, the Labor, our Labour Party is pretty old. 
Yeah. Oh, it depends. Well, federal labor is 1901. There you go. But I think Pre- predates the communist revolution. I think the South Australian Labor Party's from like 1880. You fucking loser, Rob. What do you? How do you? Why do you know this shit? Um, I'm a bit of a bit of a hack, if they say. Um, but Rob, you know what? This is harmful, right? This this kind of stuff for our our political dialogue. Yeah, I think we talked about it last week. How this is really not good for politics when you know blatant falsehoods about um security issues are out there in the media. I, 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 to be honest, I'm not that fussed if we don't talk about it anymore, really. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been echoed by the current chief of ASIO who came out and said twice last week that the coalition should stop saying this, basically, because it's harmful to our national security. Yep. And all, kind of, uh, all kinds of former public servants have come out as well. So, I think it remains to be seen if it backfires on the coalition. Maybe it will do more harm than good. Well, I guess we'll know... Uh March, April time, hey? Anyway, Rob, other news is this long line of independents obviously are coming out against uh, many incumbent Liberal Party members this election, right? Um, so people like Dave Sharma, he's being challenged by that um, that really influential like woman, I forgot her name, is part of the like super liberal family. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, and a lot of them are like funded by, um, all of these like, um, uh, interest groups, like the climate 100 dudes as well, I think. Um, so independence are the talk of the town, but one independent Karen Phillips, I don't know if you remember Karen Phillips. Um, she was the one who beat Tony Abbott oh, in, Tony. in the 2019 election. Yeah. Uh, it's been revealed that she accepted millions and millions of dollars from a, a coal company, a basically a family who own a big coal company. So she's taking money from big coal, basically. Yeah. Uh, and that's doesn't really stack up, bro, because you know one of her distinguishing features against someone like Abbott was that she was uh, big on the environment and renewable energy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not that shocked, in all honesty, mate. I think donations and political donations, in particular, we've talked about it before, right? How it's just abhorrent that um, certain interest groups can just have such sway on politics in this country um i think in canada they have public um donate like don't political campaigning is paid for by the public yeah we do that as well but just not to some extent yeah so something people don't know is yeah that depending on how many votes you get you get paid out uh to fund your own campaign that's pretty handy um yeah but obviously our political donation laws are very shit the threshold is ten thousand dollars um, below that, you don't need to disclose the um, the donor. Yep. And what you can do is just make ten ten thousand dollar donations, and just keep fully anonymized. Genius move. And we only get the identity of donors once every year, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So we won't know basically about this year's donations until next year. Yeah. Which really by cool. then No one will care about. Great system, Rob. I mean, if you if you're coming out to design a really good system, that's something you would would put in it, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's almost like it was designed by rich uh, people, both political parties, because it benefits them not knowing uh, <laughs> the public not knowing who donates to them. Almost like that. Weird. Who'd have thought? Yeah, really bad. The donation laws. I mean, hopefully they'll get changed at some point. Can't see it happening anytime in the future, though. I don't know, Rob. Yeah, Nick, did you see that Grace Tame smoked a bong once? 
I did, Rob, and yeah, I've had enough. I know she's Australian of the Year. I know she's pretty cool, but smoking a bong. How dare she? How dare she discredit our nation like that? I feel betrayed. <laughs> Let's remove every mention of her from the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Discredits all of her work that she's done in um, sexual assault and such. Um, what a obviously terrible journalism. Um, yeah, so we we should say the some newspaper Murdoch press paper in over east. I forget which one found a photo of Grace Tam smoking a bong. I think they took it from her own Instagram, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, there was just like really far down there or something. Yeah, wow. In an attempt to discredit her, and then pretty much every reasonable person afterwards was like, "That's pretty low." <laughs> I don't actually care either, really, right? Yeah, it doesn't actually discredit her at all. <laughs> and she's come out and obviously said that that she was really disappointed that that happened. Yeah. Um. Again. Move on. I'm not that worried about that. Yeah, maybe some of these stuff, some of these like funny stories, right? We just shouldn't add any more fuel to the fire. Do you yeah. think we're part of the problem, maybe? Oh, we're certainly part of the problem, <laughs> Matt. This is the fucking problem with like 24-hour journal, you know, digital journalism, right? Is this increases the amount of stuff you can report on, but maybe you shouldn't report on everything, you know? Some things don't need to be reported on. Some things don't need to be reported on, absolutely. But, you know... I think I think the good point here to come out of it was just everyone saying, okay, I don't nice. really care about that, but cool. Yeah, uh, obviously really stupid. Grace Tame, still really cool person. Um, and we'll move on. We'll leave it at that. Absolutely. Great. What um, we reckon, Rob, is that uh, what Jim Biden, as it says in our notes here, reckons, uh, is that a Ukraine invasion is imminent and... Um, and it really feels like it's heating up. There's a lot of big headlines that keep coming out saying yeah. citizens evacuated, uh, you know, like, like kind of last hours thing. I, I saw something which is like Russia is planning the biggest war since the Second World War kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, will they probably talk this out? Uh, who knows, really? Allegedly, there's a summit. Macron's office said that Biden and Putin have agreed in principle to a summit of in some principle. sort. I like the in-principle uh, preface that they put there as yeah, well. Yeah, agreements in principle. I wonder how many <laughs> of those turn out to be real agreements. Yeah, it'll always be interesting, that. Yeah, look, hard to say, really. Uh, I don't know. I kind of want them to, you know, either do it or stop stop teasing me so much, you know? <laughs> I know, just get it over. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think we'll deal with that when and if it happens, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's only so much we can talk about this potential invasion. I know. For, you and know? we've talked about before. It could be many different things. Uh, who knows, really? I mean, maybe he's going to withdraw. He'll, he just wants this kind of to play out in the, the global media. I um, think that's his play, right? Because I don't see any logical reason why you'd actually do this. When no. You're probably going to get slammed as a result. Yeah. I And, and maybe... um. Maybe Putin hoped that this all went a bit more under the covers as well, that it didn't become such a diplomatically a big deal. Yeah. But now just it's obviously... another country. Yeah, well... Just small deal, that one. And he, yeah, maybe he's just so so brainwashed with his own propaganda, he, he didn't realise yeah. it'd be such a big deal. All these yes-men around him. Yeah, oh, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, that's how people like Stalin operated. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, maybe he wants to now pursue some kind of solution and like feel like he can't back down fully because it would make him look weak. So he wants to let this play out in diplomacy, get a concession or two, and then leave. Sounds like fun. Well, anyway, we're speculating. Remains to be seen. Uh, in 
some more funny news, Rob. Funny political news. Clive Palmer's defamation case against Mark McGowan is, is going forward and it is pretty hilarious, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to talk too much about the defamation case, but I do want to talk about the fact that he pitched up to Sydney Harbour on a mega yacht. Yeah, Clive which, Palmer, not Mark McGowan. Clive Palmer, that is, not Mark McGowan. <laughs> which is really, really funny when your whole election campaign is like reaching out to those battlers who have really, you know, sick and tired of government overreach during COVID. Um, like, he just keeps doing things that are so funny. Like, he's saying that Mark Mark McGowan was genuinely, like, probably going to kill him at some point. Yeah, he was worried that WA secret police would come out and kill him. Of course. Um, you know, on on um par with the KGB, the uh, WA secret police, that is. Yeah, this is the kind of defamation case where, well, at least from the bits we've heard, I really hope it goes absolutely nowhere <laughs> because it feels like that's where it deserves to go. <laughs> Well, there's no way that this actually gets up, right? I can't see the possibility. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's some actual substantive defamation material hidden behind uh, what's playing out in the media. I don't know. <laughs> I hope not, Rob. I really hope not. But, you know, Clive Palmer's been busy as well. You see the United Australia Party. I see their ads everywhere. It's really annoying. They've spent upwards of $30 million already, Rob. So, $30 million was how much they spent in 2019. So, they've already surpassed that. And the election... Is, is still a few months away. Yeah. Do you reckon they'll run out of money? No, because Clive Palmer got that mining money. Yeah. Which is endless. truly awful. Which, you know, you can you can do your uh, advertising, but you can't pay your workers, can you? No, no. Can well, some things are more important, Rob. <laughs> um, and, of course, the coalition are pretty stoked about this because in 2019, some of those preference votes from the United Australia Party were pretty critical and also people said that the negative advertising or the negative campaign against Labor uh, was also very useful for the coalition. Yeah. So, I, I think if you're Scott Morrison, you view this as a, as a big win. Absolutely. I mean, they've just done it perfectly, the Liberal Party in that sense with this UAP stuff. Basically, separate yourself enough from Clive Palmer to not have Clive Palmer as your, uh, you know, as someone that's backing you. But also just make sure that his money actually ends up in, in your pocket through votes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're benefiting, benefiting off it for sure. Um, but I think it's very unlikely Clive Palmer, again, will get any electoral success. Uh, Do you reckon I, a little bump in the Senate, maybe? No, I don't think so. Why would it be any different now? I think he's been even more discredited, to be honest. Yeah, it's a good point. One of his candidates today at a rally in Victoria um, said that uh, Dan Andrews should be hung. So cool. I think you know the controversy is is just beginning, Rob. Well, are there any like um, anti-vaxxer states? Maybe he could sneak a, a seat in the Senate that way. I just think you know you need broad support for that. I I just don't see it. You know. Yeah, I don't think the it's going to happen. The thing he's running on is actually just not that popular it's a fringe view absolutely yeah a hundred percent um and i i think honestly as we've said it will just end up serving the coalition more than anyone else and and clive palmer said after the election in 2019 that he was happy with that so i guess that's what he wants ultimately yeah and somehow that works that's really cool um more news today breaking news rob uh all the trains in sydney are down. They're not working. None yeah. of the workers rocked up today. Which was not a strike. Well, yeah. There's a, so there's a big there's a big controversy with this because ScoMo came out and said it was a strike and blamed the union. And 
Perrottet is also blaming the union and labor, but then the union is saying that the state government told all the workers to not come to work. So I think I haven't really had the time to really make sense of it all, to be honest, Rob. But clearly this is just uh, more of a headache for Perrottet, who remember had that series of devastating loss by-election losses the other week. Yep. And Sydney sliders probably pissed their trains aren't running on time or at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> on time? No, at all. <laughs> By on time, I mean they're days late. <laughs> yeah. Um, good luck on the, uh, is it the M4? No, that's Britain. That's in London, <laughs> yeah. Whatever the fucking I don't care freeway system is in Sydney. Yeah, good luck on that one. Yeah, have fun on that one tonight at w- five. I, I'm sure a lot of them are working from home anyway, so maybe it doesn't doesn't really matter. But yeah, maybe it doesn't. This is one of those things that I think penetrates deep into the political psyche of the public, Rob, because it's like something that affects their everyday lives in quite a big way. Yeah. Uh, and Do you reckon a lot of people will be able to make the distinction that trains aren't actually run by the federal government, though? Because New South Wales government's still got another, what, three years? I think, one it's, year? I think it's soon. I think it's next year. Yeah, I think it is next year. It's next year. Well, this is 2019. Go. Yeah, the last one. Well, that's like obviously what I think they're trying to do is like blame shift. Like immediately you start to blame shift because it's such a, it's, it's a, a lot of people are very mad about it. So you have to do that immediately. Exactly. And it's Labor and the unions. Like they're not two separate entities. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure some people would argue they're, they're so closely connected. Um, but obviously we're not going to get into that, Rob, because I don't want to see you too. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to yell at me. Good call. Last bit of news, oh, just more Australian politics stuff, honestly. Coming at us from everywhere, like I was saying before, a huge power plant operated by Origin Energy Company announced that it was shutting in 2025, seven years earlier than uh, was anticipated. Basically, the big trend is this is a, a pattern that coal is becoming less financially viable for these energy companies. So they just want to close it sooner because it's not worth running it at all. And then it raises questions in the media about energy, what we're going to do for energy. And obviously, the coalition doesn't like to talk about energy. No. So, Scott Morrison is coming out with all these ideas that saying, you know, we should get this company to take it over so they can run it for longer and all this kind of stuff. And he's having fights with energy dudes in the media. It's not, um, it's not going well for him. But, I mean, the broad thing is that we should have had an energy plan in place 20 years ago. Yeah, we should have had... A energy policy at some point over the last 10 years. Because the reality is that most of our energy does come from coal and we don't have a replacement in mind. So we're going to be running on coal for a, a, a longer while. So we should have been on cool. something else. Yeah, We should have had nuclear power plants being built or finished right now, I think. Anyway. Yeah. Or sun and wind, you know. That exists yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. Just something, you know, because most of the country is still running off coal. Yep. Pretty um, sad. Pretty sad, pretty normal. And that's the Liberal Party for you. But why don't we talk about Sharky Mark? Because Sharks and Markson. Because he came out with an announcement last week on the weekend. Last week on Friday. Yep. Uh, and he said that on March 3rd, which is pretty soon... We're going to fully lift the border, the hard border in WA. I know. Unbelievable. There'll be more restrictions, but border fully lifted. You just have to have a rat test when you get here and then no quarantine. You can come from anywhere, anywhere in the world, Rob. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy to think about. It's been a long time, been over two years, right? Since that's been the case. 
Yeah, has been over two years since that's, that was the case. Uh, and it's it's a full month now since Feb 5. Well, basically, yeah, March 3rd will be a full month from Feb 5. Um, so, Nick, what happened in that month that made it so much more viable to open the border? Well, obviously, you had the Omicron spreading in our community. Well, we're up to the 200s. Of, of cases a day now and you know we know people who have it it's really truly beginning here in WA so I think that's the reason he's saying we're going to open the border because it's already spread in the community I think that's his line yep what he won't say is um I should have set this date a month ago <laughs> <laughs> I should have opened a month ago which I think are valid questions Rob yeah I think so as well Nick um because truly, there's no real um, major thing you can do to the hospital system within a month, right? No. And can I ask anyone who was like the fucking head of the nurses union or whatever who said we had to wait? Can I ask what's happened in the, over this past month? Because I have a feeling absolutely nothing has happened, Rob. I have a feeling in that as well, Nick. Um, and I think it's just the political viability of opening now when we have 200 cases versus when we had zero cases zero ish cases a day um it just is a lot easier of a pill to swallow for a lot of people who were you know or still are very concerned about what omnicron will do in wa yeah um and you know i think mark mcgowan really started to feel the heat like you know in the the weeks and days leading up to the announcement on friday i think you know all the papers i I was reading were had big stories about like, you know, this new business has been affected this way by the hard border, um, really going after Mark. So I think he saw kind of no choice, yeah. but he had to save face a bit because why didn't he do it earlier? Or why, why didn't he set a date? That was the really weird thing. I really feel like this is the first time Mark has really messed up. Yeah, it is strange. Hey, um, he's not going to lose the next election. I'll put that up. Put that out for you, Nick. I know well, that's, that's what you think. Yarn. I know that's what you think, but <laughs> we'll see. Too too far away to really know for sure. But can I just go on a rant here quickly, Rob? I think people don't really get that COVID is going to spread through our community, right? I think people in WA still think that we have to take every single precaution to protect ourselves from the virus. And like UWA is doing that, right? And I've been ranting to a lot of people about UWA recently because like my law course, they decided to make some of these intensive units fully online basically for no reason. Not because it's a government guideline, or at least it wasn't at the time, but just because they feel like they need to do it to protect people from the virus. But like the result is people get a shitter educational experience in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion. And there was no real need to do it online in the first place. Like, that's not a long-term solution. Like, are we going to do every single class online for the next five years? I don't really get it, Rob. Like, I, I thought we've been through this. I thought we realized this. So, like, look over East. Well, universities over East are doing their classes in person, right? Because they, like, see the value of doing, like, tutorials in person. We Meanwhile, UWA is asking everyone if they want to do them online or in person and then, like, doing this weird mix. It's really annoying me, Rob. I just I don't get it at all. Well said, Nick. I can't, I can't speak to that because most of my classes are in person. Which is, you know, one of the few things that UWA has done well in terms of international relations in the last five years. Yeah. Um, I think it's just the law school, man. Like, whoever's doing, making those decisions, I think is just being really stupid. 
and I just uh, t- taking this opportunity um, on the podcast. Yeah, no, this to, is really good content, it. Nick. Um, I just it, it it makes no sense to me. Uh, I don't I don't get what headspace they're in. But I think you know, a lot of people in WA are in this headspace where they still think that like they're still taking this really narrow short term approach. But I'm like, are you gonna do this? for the rest of like your life because that's how long COVID might be in the community for, right? Yeah, wow, that's a daunting thought, right? And I'm not saying that we don't have to protect people like where, you know, there's a reasonable case for it. And, you know, I know that people say X, Y, Z person who I live with or who I know is immunocompromised. I really want to make sure I don't get the virus because of that. Sure, like do whatever you want, right? But to have to force on everyone like an online solution to something that is much better in person without asking everyone is, is pretty stupid, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's TWI, that's UWA's issue. I, I'm not sure if that's a critical analysis of Mark McGowan's policy, but we can well, move past that. Nick. I mean, that was in, that was what Mark McGowan was thinking, right? It was the same thing. It was like a short term strategy and you look over East and I think that, the ship would kind of sail. Like everyone saw what the reality of COVID was going to be. Yeah. Well, cases are going down over, over East, uh, right? Yeah, they are. So, I mean, that's a positive sign for us. I guess that's maybe why you, you get the month to look at it, right? To see that it doesn't just grow exponentially until, you know, everyone in the community has it. I mean, sure. But I think we knew that a month ago. <laughs> yeah, we probably did. And um, we've had two years to research this virus and improve the hospital system Uh, and we tried to do it all in one month and shocker we couldn't do it all in one month so we're in the exact same position we were a month ago wow who would have thought it me on this podcast a month ago yeah (laughs) um yeah but i look maybe i'm wrong i i just feel very strongly about this and i talk to some people and they're they're just for some reason super, super scared of getting the virus for, for basically no reason. I mean, if you're triple vaxxed, there's a super high chance you'll be absolutely fine. And there's no need to be reckless, but there's also no need to point, no point in changing your, you know, negatively impacting your life by not going to things when the risk is very low overall. I've certainly noticed lately a, a drastic drop in just general foot traffic around uh, stores and such. I think people are actually taking you know, precautions by themselves to this virus, which is probably a good thing, Nick, long run or yeah. short run, I guess. I mean, I think taking precautions, like obviously everyone is doing this in your head, like is it worth it? Because if everyone was just super reckless, then I think people would say the hospital system would get overrun. We'd have too many people with the virus at one time. But that doesn't mean you need to lock yourself in your room and not go outside uh, and have to do Zoom uni all the time, I think. That's that's my two cents, Rob. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm just going to put it out there, though, because I can. Cause I have yeah, a because podcast. you can. And also, uh, I feel like you might not like your course a little bit at the moment, Nick. Yeah, am look. I, am, I, am I guessing right there? I'm critically <laughs> reflecting and I'm confronting my, my internal biases and um, I still want to rant. I still need to get it out there. Well, that's great. And we, I, I, I think I want to apologize to our <laughs> listeners for having to hear Nick's personal issues for the last five minutes. I'll uh, echo that apology. Thank you very much for listening this week. 
and you can continue to stay tuned at Unrepresentative Swill on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, on the internet basically, and at Swill Podcast on Twitter. Do you think I'll get in trouble at UWA for saying fuck UWA on a podcast? No. All right. Good stuff.